Today we are reading from Mark 9, verses 14 to 29. When they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them. As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. What are you arguing? <laughs> what are you arguing? Why can't I say arguing? <laughs> what are you arguing with them about, he asked. A man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. You unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him. When the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If, I c if you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for one who believes. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw the crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him up to his feet and he stood up. After Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, this kind can, only come, can come out only by prayer. Good morning. It's good to see you, Pathway. Is that the way to greet you, you guys? Good morning, Pathway. It's, it's great to be here. I love uh, being here uh, with you as a church because I love my parents and I love the way that you love them. And uh, I love your heart. You've got such a great heart as a church, a heart for, you know, the world out there beyond yourself. Um, you've got a heart to really know God deeply, personally, and uh, I just love being part of it and, and seeing, seeing what's happening uh, in your church. Um, what a great song to start with, Majesty. Uh, isn't that incredible, just to be able to come before God and, and, and just be struck by His majesty and His awesomeness and to be struck by how we come with nothing and yet... God is everything. God is amazing. So let's pray and let's start this time uh, with, with a prayer. Father, we bow in prayer before you because, Lord, we really need you to speak. I really need you to speak. Father, you are the God of heaven. You are the great majestic being, the, the, the awesome God who rules the heavens. And Lord, you designed us, you built us, you you gave us life in the first place and you, you want to give us life to the full. And Lord, you have gone to such extreme measures to do that. My prayer this morning, Lord, is that you would take us further along that track. Lord, that whatever we know about you, that you would expand that. That however much of us that you have the ability to work with, that that would grow. 
Lord God, that you would become more real and that your life in us would become more powerful today. Father, would you journey with us and would you take the words that I have and would you speak to us, Lord, speak to all of us because we desperately need to hear you today. And we ask that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. I wonder if you ever have thought you'd like to have a superpower. Wouldn't it be great? I don't know if you watch the Marvel uh, movies, you know, or read the comics, or uh, I don't know who your favourite super superhero is. Have you got a favourite superhero? I think most people have. Um, one of my favourites is Iron Man. I love Iron Man because, you know, here's this ordinary guy and he just puts on this suit and then he suddenly becomes this superhero and he can fly through the air and he can, you know, bullets don't worry him and he can kind of shoot down the enemies and he's got... My, my son told me this term. Um, what, what is it? Uh, I've got to find it. It's a head-up display. He's got this head-up display on, in his suit, you know, so he can have all this information in front of his... He's just amazing. Iron Man's this awesome, awesome dude. Or, you know, there's Superman. He's kind of... He's probably the oldest, one of the oldest ones. Superman, you know, he can, again, fly through the air. The bullets don't worry him. He's got this, you know, chest of steel... You know, like, wouldn't it be great if the, the bullets of life didn't affect you? And you could, you could have x-ray vision so you could see through problems and you could see to the solution every time and you just knew what to do and, and you could be this amazing superhero. Wouldn't that be incredible? Have you ever thought that you actually do have a superpower? You do. You do have a superpower. Jesus shows us about that superpower and I'd like to have a look at a particular story that gives us a a few glimpses into that. So do you want to grab your Bibles and turn to Mark chapter 9 because in Mark chapter 9 we see this story which is a little bit of a strange story uh, you might think as you read that. I wonder what you thought as we read that before. It's this odd story and so we've got We've got Jesus and he, he comes to this group of people. And it's interesting, the very first phrase, uh, it says, when, when they came to the other disciples, it, what's that phrase? It, that's suggesting that this story is related to the previous story. And that's usually the way in the Bible. When you see something, you, you can't just take a story on its own. You've got to look at what's before it and what's after it. This relates to the previous story. What's happened in the previous story? The previous story is this, even more spectacular, amazing story that we call the Transfiguration. So Jesus takes three of his closest disciples and he goes up this mountain and his disciples think, oh great, we're in for a bushwalk, that's pretty cool. They get up the top of the mountain and suddenly Jesus like changes and, and like, it's not like he changes clothes, like suddenly something happens to him and he becomes dazzling white and they can't even, can't, they need sunglasses to look at him and He's this dazzling white, amazing, like he, the disciples can't even hardly look at him. And then suddenly there's these other two characters from the Old Testament there with him. And all this stuff happens to show the disciples and to show the people that who Jesus really is. You know, because walking with Jesus every day, you, you could start to think, oh, he's just an ordinary kind of character. But this story, the transfiguration, shows us that, no... He actually is the majestic king that that first song talked about. Majesty. Majesty. He is the majestic king. And he, he is just awesome. Jesus is just awesome. And that's who he truly is. And that's what that story was showing us. 
And then that relates back into this story. But uh, there's, there's a passage in 2 Peter, if you like to kind of you know, relate bits of the Bible to each other, which is a good thing to do. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 16 to 19, uh, Peter actually talks about that event, the transfiguration. This is what he says. He says, uh, he says We were eyewitnesses of his majesty. He received honour and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory saying, This is my son whom I love, with him I am well pleased, which are the words that were spoken on that mountain that day. We ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with him on the mountain. So Peter's like, we were there. We saw this unbelievable transformation. This Jesus just took on a different aura and he was just stunningly spectacular. And we heard it and we, we heard the voice from heaven and we saw him. And this is who Jesus truly is. And it's interesting because Mark, Mark's gospel is actually written... A lot, it's influenced by Peter. Peter. It would have used a lot of Peter's stories uh, in writing this gospel. So here, here then, we have this story of this the, the, Jesus coming down the mountain. So he's been up there. He's been demonstrated as who he is, the majestic king of all glory. He comes down the mountain with his disciples and they come across this little problem. This little problem down at the foot of the mountain. Have a look at this uh, passage. When they came to the disciples, I apologise, I'm probably reading from a different version from you, but that's all right, you're, you're clever. They saw a great crowd around them and the scribes arguing with them. So here we go, Jesus is coming down the mountain and there's this big crowd and there's something going on. You know how a crowd draws a crowd and people are just like, oh, there's a crowd. I wonder what's going on. Something must have happened over there. So there's this crowd of people. Jesus comes up. Immediately all the crowd, when they saw him, were greatly amazed and ran up to him and greeted him. And he asked them, what are you arguing about? And someone from the crowd answered him, teacher, I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out. So there's this problem. There's this guy and he's got this son and his son's got this demon possession. And this, de- this boy does these crazy things, foaming at the mouth, uh, doing all these crazy things. He can't speak. Uh, he's mute. Later on, it talks about him throwing him into the fire. You know, this boy does these weird, crazy things crazy things and the the father you know imagine living with a son like that father's tearing his hair out so he goes okay i'm going to bring this to this jesus character because i've heard he can do things and so here they comes and jesus is up the mountain so they come to the disciples and the man comes to the disciples and says well you're his disciples can you do something with my son my son he's just i can't i'm going out of my brain with my son i don't know what to do with him anymore can you do something And it says in verse 18, but they were not able. I wonder what happened in that moment. Here's this man, he comes to the disciples, he says, can you help me with my son, the disciples? I wonder if they go, oh, okay, one of these. All right, well, we've seen Jesus cast out demons before and he just speaks to them and tells them, so we'll just try it and we'll have a go and they have a go and it doesn't work. And maybe they have another go and it doesn't work and they're all standing around scratching their head. What are we going to do with this 
this boy who's gone crazy, he's demon-possessed, and what do we do about this? And, and you can imagine the, the angst and the frustration and the bewilderment. Does your life ever feel like that sometimes? My life does. Life is difficult, isn't it? Life is tough. Sickness, children, parents, uh, jobs, friends, finance, houses, renovations, building programs. Life gets really messy. What do we do when it gets messy and we don't know what to do? The disciples clearly didn't have the answer. They couldn't, couldn't do anything. I mean, demon, casting out demons is not something we're used to in our day and age today. I don't think that's because there aren't any demons. I think it's because we in the West don't notice them like they do in other countries and other cultures. That's a side issue. Get back to the story. So here we've got this crowd of people, this father pulling his hair out, the boy just, I don't know what crazy things he's doing at that particular moment. And they don't know what to do. The disciples have had a go. They don't know what to do. They've tried, failed. Jesus turns up. He's come down the mountain from this amazing experience. He turns up. His reaction? He says this, O faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Do you know, I don't think Jesus is saying there, I don't think he's kind of lost the plot. He's like, oh, I'm so sick of this. You guys never learn. I don't think that's the tone of what he's saying because I don't think God ever gets, I don't think God ever loses his cool. Um, I think what he's saying is, how long is it going to take you till you realise who I truly am? Until you realise and really believe who, who is actually amongst you. What must I do? What Proof must I give to you to demonstrate so that you will believe who I truly am and you will trust me with your lives. I think he's surprised more than annoyed. And then Jesus says, bring him to me. Bring me this boy, this boy that's causing you so much trouble and that you don't know what to do. Bring him to me. And they bring him the boy. And when the spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy and he fell on the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. Imagine that. I mean, demons always know who Jesus is. They know who Jesus is. The disciples may not know who Jesus is. The people may not know, understand who Jesus is, but demons do. And this demon knew he was in for trouble. He knew he'd met the one who had control over his life. And this demon just, it's, just grabs the boy and throws him to the ground, foaming at the mouth, going even more crazy. This demon was, this was like a last-ditch effort to keep control. Jesus is not phased by this. He asks the father, how long has this been happening? And the father says, from childhood, and it has often cast him into the fire and into water to destroy him, but if you can do anything, have compassion on us. And help us. That's an interesting comment, isn't it? If you can do anything. If you can... I've tried with the disciples. I've tried with other doctors and, you know, other people. I've tried. The disciples couldn't do anything. If you can do anything, then please help me. 
Do we often feel like that with God? All right, God, this problem in front of me is so big. What am I going to do with it? Well, if you can do anything, can you just help me, please? But Jesus picks up on that. And, and in, in the, our translations, he says, if you can? He picks up on the if. And he relocates the if. The man is saying, I'm not sure that you can do anything, Jesus. You see, I think the man thinks that Jesus is pretty much the same as the disciples. He puts them all in the same category. The man's like, well, I've tried with these disciples of yours. They couldn't do anything. You're probably just the same. This is kind of going on in his mind. You're just the same. If you can do anything, I don't think you, I doubt whether you can do anything about this problem. But if you can, that'd be great. I'd really appreciate it. Jesus relocates that if and he puts the if onto the man instead of himself. The if is not on Jesus, it's on the man and it's on the disciples. It's not a question of whether Jesus can help, it's a question of whether they people can believe. It becomes an issue of belief and of faith. It's not a question of can Jesus do something with this, this big problem. The question is can the man believe that Jesus can do something? Can the disciples believe that Jesus can do something? He says, if Jesus says, if you can, all things are possible for the one who believes. Belief is faith. Belief and faith, I'm going to use those two words interchangeably. Okay, so belief, believing in something, believing in God is so, 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 so important. It's absolutely vital to what's going on. Everything is possible to the one who believes, Jesus said. Everything is possible to the one who believes. Think of that issue in your life. Think of the difficulties that you face. Everything is possible for the one who believes. If the disciples had believed, they could have cast out the demon because they did it at other times. See, the, the fact is, faith, okay, let me think about faith. Let's think about faith for a sec. Faith, think about it this way. When you're out in the garden, right, and you want to water the garden, your garden is, it's, you know, getting warmer and when the rain stops, you want to water your garden. You grab a hose and you plug the hose into the tap and you turn the tap on and the hose transfers the water to your garden. You don't have to do anything. All you have to do is plug it in and away it goes. Turn the tap on and there you go. Faith is the hose. Faith is our connection to God that brings the power of God to the place where it's needed. Just like a hose takes the water that is an endless supply in our great western countries. Water never runs out, ever. And it takes water and it transfers the water to where it's needed. Faith does the same thing. Faith takes the power of God and it takes it to where it's needed. There's so many stories in, in Scripture where faith is not, not present and so Jesus can't work. He goes to his hometown in Nazareth and the people have no faith and therefore it says he can do no miracles. By contrast... The centurion has faith that his servant would be healed. And guess what? His servant is healed. 
So many stories in Scripture, in, in the Gospels. People have faith. The bleeding woman, the woman who was bleeding for 12 years, she had faith that if she touched Jesus, she would be healed. Guess what? She touches Jesus and she's healed. Peter and John in Acts, at the beginning of Acts, they have faith to believe that Jesus can heal this, this cripple, this crippled beggar sitting at the steps of the temple. They have faith. And so they say to him, we don't have any silver and gold, but what we do have is get up and walk. In the name of Jesus Christ, get up and walk. They have faith and it happens. Faith transfers the power of God to the place where it's needed. The limit of God's power in our lives is equal to the limit of our faith. We don't see God working powerfully in our lives. It's got a lot to do with the level of our faith. It's got a lot to do with the fact that we just often don't believe. We're like these disciples in this story. They didn't really believe what Jesus was capable of doing. Faith is so important. But what's really interesting, this is where I want to get to in this story, is his very last comment in verse 29. Do you notice what he says? The disciples come to him later and they say, Jesus, why couldn't we cast out that demon? Now, this story is told three times in the Bible. It's told in Matthew, Mark and Luke. In Luke, this little epilogue bit isn't there. Luke is not concerned about that. In Matthew, the epilogue goes like this. The disciples come to Jesus and they say, Jesus, why couldn't we cast out that demon? And Jesus responds to them, because you had so little faith. That's his response. Have a look, Matthew chapter 17. You can look at it later. He's saying it's, it's because you had so little faith. You didn't really believe in who I am. In Mark's gospel... The same ending, like the disciples come to Jesus and they say, Jesus, why couldn't we cast this demon out? And Jesus says to them, this kind can only come out by prayer. Prayer. Prayer is the action of connecting the hose into the tap. Prayer is what we do as an act of faith to bring the power of God to the place where it's needed. Prayer is our connection to God. Prayer is the way that we connect with God to know what God thinks and to talk with God and to draw the resources of heaven and bring them to the situation in which we need in our life. Prayer is absolutely vital. Prayer can never be talked about enough. Prayer can never be done enough. Prayer is so, 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 so important in the Christian life. What did the disciples do after Jesus vanished up into the sky at the end of his time on earth they got together and prayed what were the disciples doing when pentecost happened in acts chapter 2 they were praying prayer is so 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 important it's when the people of god get together in prayer that things begin to really happen it's when we drop to our knees in prayer that god can work can we just have a think about prayer for a minute? What is prayer? If you were asked to define prayer, what would you say? What would you say about prayer? I mean, you would probably agree with me that prayer is a dialogue. 
Prayer is not just us talking to God, it's us also listening. We say some things to God and we listen to God because God wants to speak. That's absolutely true. Um, I'm a great uh, confessed fan of Andrew Murray. Andrew Murray is an, is an author. He, he a South Afri- was a South African guy who wrote lots and lots of books um, about Christian living, but I'm going to quote a few things from him because he, he writes about prayer. Lots of people write about prayer, um, and that's great. <clears throat> and if you really want to think about prayer, I'd encourage you to get one of many books uh, out there on prayer. But I just, I'll just su- mention a couple of things, including... I want to quote from Andrew Murray because he says this. One of his quotes is, Prayer is not a soliloquy where everything comes from one side. It is a dialogue where God's child listens to what his father says and from that asks for what he needs. Prayer is a two-way conversation. I think we know that, don't we? we? We don't just go, okay, I need to pray now. All right, I'm going to tell God all the stuff that's on my mind and then I'm going to go, finish. That's not prayer. That's, that's the beginning. That's, the, that's, like, that's maybe the tiny first part of prayer. But real prayer, the kind of prayer that sustained Jesus for entire nights. Now, just get that into your head. This is Jesus, right? Jesus Christ. Jesus, who is the Son of God living on earth. He would go to the, up, up, you know, away from people for an entire night to pray. Just think about that for a little while. That just boggles my mind. This is, this is the son of God. This is like, you know, the most spiritual person ever to live on the face of this planet. The one who had no sin. He would go for a whole night, not just for an hour or two, but like from, you know, dinner time till breakfast time, he would be up on the mountain praying when he really needed to know God's mind about something. Prayer is dialogue. Prayer is also fellowship. It's relationship. How do we start the Lord's Prayer? We say, our Father who is in heaven. It's relationship. It's, it's communication with someone that we know, someone that knows us, someone that we have a relationship with. Another quote from Andrew Murray, prayer is the natural and joyous breathing of the spiritual life. I love that. It's the natural and joyous breathing of the spiritual life. We, our, our life, our spiritual life with God you know, there's coming and going. There's, there's this breathing in, breathing out. There's requests, there's answers. There's seeking God, there's sometimes silence because often God doesn't answer uh, or at least not straight away. It's this coming, this, this dialogue in prayer. Prayer is fellowship. Can I ask, how do you, how do you know what God wants for you in your life if you don't pray? And if you really need to know about something, do you really expect that a five-minute prayer is going to bring you the answer to that situation? Prayer is how we understand. It's how we get to know the mind of God. Prayer is also kneeling before the throne of God. Prayer is coming before Almighty God who is all-powerful and kneeling at his throne because we are just humans. We are this big and God is that big. God is awesome. He knows everything. He has all power. He has all ability. And we come and we kneel before his throne, recognising that he is the Lord God Almighty. 
Another quote from Andrew Murray. It's being brought under the power of his holiness and love till he takes possession of us and stamps our entire nature with the lowliness of Christ, which is the secret of all true worship. Prayer is also surrender. Prayer is surrender. The abundant life is nothing less, says Andrew Murray, than the full Jesus having the full mastery over our entire being through the power of the Holy Spirit. You want to live an effective spiritual, a Christian life where you can do the sort of things that Jesus did because he said we could. That casting out the demon was not just because he's the Son of God. No. Because the disciples did that sort of thing later on. That sort of action was a life completely surrendered to God. That's how Jesus was able to do that. Completely surrendered to God. Absolutely given over. See, the problem is, a lot of you, know, let me just give you an example. A lot of you know Balky. Balky the mechanic. Some of you, I think, are related to, you know, indirectly related. Uh, he, he, he's an amazing mechanic and anyway, he fixed my car. Yesterday, I was at his place. Uh, he was fixing my car and... Um, I was there in the workshop, you know, just chatting with him as he was doing his work. Imagine if he's doing the work on the car and I'm getting in there and going, picking up spanners and going, oh, no, let me just do this little bit. And, oh, I think we need to do this, Balk. You know, no, Balk, don't do that. Like, I, I think, you know, giving my little two cents worth, how effective would Balky's work be if I interfered like that? And yet that is so often the way that we treat God. God, I've got this problem with my family and, you know, I, I think we need to do this and God, you need to do this and we start telling God what to do and we start imposing our opinion rather than coming before God and just surrendering, kneeling at the throne of God saying, Lord, you know everything and I need to know your will. I need to know what you would say to me in this situation. Surrendering to the will of God. Being able to say to God, whatever you want, whatever your will is, I want to do that, Lord. It's going to hurt. It's going to cost me whatever. I don't care. I need your will to be done in this situation. See, the opposite, in a sense, the opposite of prayer or the, the death of prayer is selfishness. Where we think about what we want and we try to convince God to give us what we want. That's the death of prayer. That's not getting us to that place where we can live that effective Christian life. If we think that what is on our heart and what, what we think should happen, if we try to get into the place where we convince God and if prayer becomes the thing where we convince God and manipulate God even to do what we've decided should happen, then I think God just goes, okay, you want to do that? Off you go. See how it treats you. And he stands back and waits until we fail. You see, God wants awesome things for our life. God has invited us. He, he's not just invited us. God has drawn us out of the kingdom of darkness transferred us into the kingdom of light he has given us new life not just so that we can be happy 
in ourselves, but so that we can be involved with him in the transformation of this world, so that we can live for the glory of God and show the world how awesome God is. He has great plans for us. And let me tell you, it doesn't matter how old you are, God has great plans for you right now. It doesn't matter your age. He, has, he will, can and will work through you from the moment you're born till the moment you leave this planet. God has a purpose for your life and he wants to do amazing things through you. He wants to direct his power and his wisdom through your life to a hurting world. And I know that as a church you want to do that and you are doing that in so many ways. But, you know, there's this quote that I, I, I don't know where it came from, but it says, let me get it right, I've written it down. If prayer is not vital to your work, then your work is not vital. If prayer is not vital to your work, then your work is not vital in a spiritual sense. Because if, you're, if you get an, a vision for something and if it's something that you can do on your own without God or with a little bit of help from God, then it's not going to be very spiritually effective. It can't be. What's going to be effective is when God comes with his power and his wisdom and he moves through your life in a way that you never could. It's when you as a people have a vision for something that is so impossibly big that there's no way you could achieve it. There's no way you could find the finances or the resources or the capacity to achieve this vision because God wants to work way beyond and is able to work way beyond what you are able to do. Let me just remind you in closing of what Jesus said in John 14, 14. He says, ask anything in my name and it will be done for you. That's a pretty bold statement. Ask anything in my name and I will do it for you. Anything. Do you know we, that, that one of the songs was about your name? What does that mean, your name? When, when it talks about this, you know, ask anything in my name. I mean, Jesus clearly is not saying anything at all. You know, ask for a Ferrari if you like. That's what my kids would say. They'd say, oh, I want that, I want that biggest Lego set. That's clearly not what he's saying. He's saying anything in my name. What does that mean? In my name, it's a bit like having a company credit card. Okay, imagine you've got... Um, uh, is that clock actually going? I think it's stopped. I keep looking at it and think, wow, time's really not progressing very fast. Um, okay, so I need to finish soon. I just let, let me say this. It's like a company credit card. So you work for this company and the company gives you the credit card and they say, whatever you need to spend to do your job... There's the card, spend it, you, and, and usually they put a limit on it, don't they? Um, I had a friend who worked for BP uh, when I lived on the mainland and he was a sales executive and he would take all these kind of people out, to, you know, big business leaders out to lunch, to dinner and his limit was $1,000 per person for a meal, uh, which is pretty, <laughs> pretty crazy, but, you know, that was his limit. The company said, you can take these people out for a really nice meal at a really nice restaurant, just don't spend more than $1,000 per person. So companies give you this limit on the credit card, but what Jesus is saying, here's the credit card and there is no limit. Ask anything in my name and it will be done for you. 
Whatever is to his glory, whatever is for his kingdom, whatever is for his benefit and for the establishment of what God is doing in this world and the way he wants to work through you as an individual, as a church, ask anything in my name and it will be done for you. God is awesome. He has great plans for your life. Can you join me in a life that becomes more focused on prayer? That's that's my, my heart for myself. I need to learn this myself. Join me with that. Become a praying people. A, pray, a, a people for whom prayer is vital. And let's do that now. Father, we thank you so much for your greatness. We praise you, Lord God, that you are the majestic king of heaven. And Jesus, you are the king who you've revealed yourself to us as you walked this earth many years ago, and we read about you in the pages of Scripture, Lord God, we praise you for your greatness. We praise you for your capacity, but we praise you also for your grace, because your grace means that you pour out all of that greatness into our lives and through our lives. And Lord, you do that not because we are good enough, but simply because that's what you want to do. Your grace is amazing and lord i just want to ask that you would take this teaching and that you would apply it to our hearts father whatever situation we are in at the moment whatever we are facing whatever we have need for at this moment lord teach us to pray about that teach us to come before you in prayer Teach us to come before you in prayer that brings faith, that raises faith and that lives by faith in what you've said and who you are. Lord, we don't want to be like those disciples who fumbled around and failed to be effective. We want to be like Jesus, our King, the one who is within us. So Lord, come and take our lives and work through us. I pray in your name, Jesus. Amen.